This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we have another episode of Total Recall, where we break down the latest developments in the recall campaign against California Governor Gavin Newsom. Our guests are the Chronicle's Sacramento reporters, Alexei Kossoff and Dustin Gardner. And let's get right to it because it just gives me a chance to bust out my hacky Arnold Schwarzenegger impression once again. All right. I'd like to welcome welcome you back to the Total Recall <laughs> podcast. Beautiful, beautiful impression. And I'm going to yes. use my hacky Arnold voice. <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> we get to introduce two of the greatest reporters in California. That's Alexei Kosov. And Dustin Gardner, welcome back. Good to be Thank back. You very much. How, how was that? Was that actually how actually that it? got better as it went along? I think you just had to, you know, dust off, <laughs> dust off the impression there. I was impressed. It's usually better after a beer. Um, <laughs> Consider that a divorce. All right, let's uh, before we start anything, let's start with a bit of a plug for ourselves, which is always good to do here on the on the uh, on the podcast. There is going to be a debate. In Wednesday in Sacramento, co-sponsored by The Chronicle and our Hearst Corporation cousins at uh, KCRA. It's one hour long, 7 to 8 p.m. And if you're living in the Bay Area, you can watch it on KNTV, which is our, the Bay, uh, the NBC affiliate here, or on, of course, sfchronicle.com. And our very own Alexei Kosov is going to be one of the questioners. Alexei, uh, first of all, did The Chronicle give you a hair and clothing allowance for this? I haven't asked yet. I figured I, you know, I look pretty good as as is. But if I show up to that <laughs> rehearsal and they tell me that I'm not up to snuff, then you, you can bet I'm gonna be searching for some help. And do you want us to alert you if, like, a fly were to land on your head or something like that, uh, a la Mike Pence? Is there a way we can can we just keep your slack on and we'll, we'll yeah, you know, <laughs> meet me up on Twitter and. I'll I'll catch up with all the jokes when the hour is uh, when the hour is done. All right. Well, let's um, now. There is some good news and some disappointing news with this debate. The disappointing news is that once again, uh, polling frontrunner Larry Elder and uh, Caitlyn Jenner, who uh, draws a disproportionate amount of media attention compared to her polling, uh, have declined to participate once again. Uh, they only want to debate if Gavin Newsom is involved, and he too has uh, also declined to attend. That, that's correct, Alexi, correct? Yes, we have four candidates who are going to be participating, um, and you know they are some of the leading candidates, but not the leading candidates. We have former San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner, uh, we have Assemblymember Kevin Kiley, and we have businessman John Cox, who ran in 2018. All of them are Republicans. And then joining a debate for the first time in this cycle is Kevin Paffrath, who is a Democrat and uh, probably most well-known for having a uh, financial advice YouTube channel. And he is a—I've uh, been asked by a number of people over the weekend, over the last several days, his bouts of land, like, who is this guy? He's uh, He has no experience in, in politics before, never 
served in elective office. I believe he's 29. He's from Ventura County and he's, he's a real estate investor, but he is, uh, you know, he, depending on uh, some of the polls, which are of, of dubious merit, he does is registering in some of these polls, perhaps because he's a Democrat. Yeah, perhaps because he's a Democrat, perhaps because he does have a little bit of name recognition from this YouTube channel, which has about 1.7 million subscribers, you know, not bad. Wow. Um, although yeah. hard to say how many of them are in California. Um, but yeah, he's definitely an unknown entity, and it will be interesting to hear more about his ideas uh, during the debate. Although he is a Democrat, he's not necessarily... Um, on the mainstream democratic kind of platform on a lot of big issues. For example, he's campaigning on reducing income taxes for families that make uh, less than $250,000, which is more in line with his Republican colleagues. He's also got some pretty strict ideas on how to address homelessness, you know, forcing people into treatment, which again is something that's probably more in line with a lot of his uh, Republican competitors. And uh, he wants to legalize gambling um, in, in California and, and raise new tax revenue through having, you know, our own version of Las Vegas, which is, you know, definitely a long shot idea, but perhaps one that will uh, generate some, some interesting debate. So keep an eye out for him. So the, uh, as we said, the polling leader is uh, Larry Elder, the conservative talk show host, uh, and uh, among the 46 names that you see on your ballot. Uh, Dustin, he had a bad week last week. Uh, Larry Elder did. Uh, and you had a scoop on him. You were uh, part of his bad week. Uh, tell us uh, what was uh, what was going on. Because many many conservative voters may know, may think they know Larry Elder because people have heard him on the radio for a couple of decades. But as we learned from your story and other scoops, like from our friend and former my former uh, Chronicle colleague, Carlo Marinucci, that there are parts of his personal life that we don't uh, know about. Uh, Dustin, uh, tell us uh, about your scoop and what uh, allegedly happened between Elder and his ex-fiance. Yeah, I mean, it really was a terrible week for Larry Elder. Um, and, and a lot of the news that has been coming out has been about his views on women and also allegations about his treatment of um, his ex-fiance in the past. Um, the piece that I wrote was looking back at a book that he wrote um, in 2000. And this book, um, it was, it was uh, there were a lot of controversial things in the book, but one that, that really stood out was the section where he talks about sexual harassment in the workplace. And the, the title of the, this subchapter is basically that, that, that sexual harassment doesn't hold women back in their careers. Um, and within that chapter, he had some comments where he said that essentially he said that smart women don't complain about inappropriate behavior or comments in the workplace from men. Um, and he goes on to say that basically, in, in his view, hypersensitivity would affect productivity and camaraderie within a workplace. So essentially, he was arguing that, that women really should just kind of grit their teeth and not uh, report a lot of uh, inappropriate behavior in the workplace. Um, and, you know, I reached out to his campaign. He won't comment about that. Um, and, you know, that was in his book, uh, one of his best-selling books. Um, and so there's really no indication that he has changed his views on that issue. And he's still selling the book on his website, I should add. Um, so, so that was one piece of the news that came out about Elder. Um, and then the other piece, as you mentioned, Politico reported about 
um, his relationship with his ex fiance and former uh, producer on his radio show, Alexandra Dadig, um, she alleges that it, during, during a heated argument in 2015, shortly before they broke up, that he essentially brandished a gun. He during the argument, he pulled a gun out of the nightstand next to their bed and held it so she could see that he had that there were bullets um, and that it was loaded. Um, there's been some discrepancy in whether he waved the gun at her. Politico reported that that he did wave the gun. She said in other interviews that that he didn't wave it or point it at her. Um, but nevertheless, th- this really was kind of an explosive headline. Um, and, and also um, the story from Politico that there were other details that were just kind of very odd. For example, the, um, yeah, Alexandra said that he, he insi- that Larry Elder insisted that she get a tattoo that read Larry's girl. And that at some point he had that a picture of her partially nude picture of her with that tattoo on her lower back um, printed and he hung that in their house without asking her permission. Um, Larry Elder has come out and said that emphatically he has never brandished a gun at anyone and, you know, is calling the allegations baseless. Um, But beyond that, he hasn't responded to a lot of the details that that came out in the last week. Right. And a lot of marijuana smoking from Larry Elder too. He's, I guess he is for medical marijuana. I don't know what he was, where he was on legalization. Um, I believe actually, yeah, because he's, um, you know, leans more libertarian. libertarian. He is actually uh, more in favor of legalization. And um, that is one of the areas where um, there's sort of an interesting um, agreement between him and Newsom. Yeah. We'll have more of our Total Recall podcast after this short break. I'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And now let's get back to talking Total Recall with our guests, Alexi Kosov and Dustin Gardner. Alexi, two candidates, uh, former San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner and uh, and Caitlyn Jenner have called for Elder to leave the race, and this is always my favorite parts of a political campaigns when when one candidate will ask the other to leave the race. It's just it's, who's who's actually going to do that? Um, but but the others aren't saying anything. Why aren't they weighing in? We we watched the debate uh, uh, last Thursday here in San Francisco, and nobody even brought it up. And then miraculously, you know what? 24 hours later, Faulkner says, gee, you should leave the race, but he didn't say anything during the debate. What, what is going on? Here? I think every candidate is sort of walking a, a, a tightrope on this issue more or less because they may want to jockey themselves to the front of the pack on question two, but they don't want to turn off the Republican base, which to this point has been very behind Larry Elder and from at least the comments I'm seeing responded to these allegations by basically saying, no way, this is, you know, nonsense. It's an attempt to take him down. All, all those kinds of, you know, responses basically denying it and thinking it's a conspiracy. So 
Faulkner has actually put himself and, and and Jenner as well have put themselves in in a difficult position um, if if they continue to double down on this and are seen as not being team players totally focused on getting out Newsom on question one. That's sort of what at least some of the other candidates have suggested, inclu- including Kevin Kiley. He actually put out a statement um, online saying that it is a waste of time. It's sort of pointless and a distraction to be calling for uh, other candidates to drop out of the race. And he has declined at every turn to criticize Larry Elder or any of his other fellow candidates saying they're all on the same team to take out Newsom. And so that's sort of this this pull, push and pull that you have in, in the race. Yeah, I just... This is it's it's a baffling strategy to me. I, I you know, and since uh, you're going to be on the panel, I wanted to suggest a question, Alexi. Uh, can we ask the Republicans there to explain, without using the words Gavin Newsom, how they would be a better replacement candidate than the other three top Republicans? Do you think that would? I mean, it doesn't. This is just. It just is. It's bizarre that they don't that they don't mix it up like that. It just it's because I think a lot of voters are are like, who, what's the difference between these three guys? Well, I sort of wonder if they were feeling a little more urgency around the possibility that Newsom was going to be recalled and that they themselves could be governor, that they might go a little bit more aggressively on this line and try and push themselves to the front. But as it is right now, you know, it, it it just ultimately is more likely than not that Gavin Newsom will survive. We have seen some polling that's close, but the fundamentals of the race are such that, you know, with a, a large Democratic majority of voters, Newsom is well positioned to survive. And so people like Kevin Faulkner, who have long-term political ambitions, may be looking at how to position themselves down the line rather than trying to win a race that may ultimately not matter. All right, let's talk about ballot confusion. I don't know if you guys have been hearing this, but I've been hearing this from a, a lot of uh, readers, a lot of uh, people personally. They, they, they're, it's the question, the ballot uh, only has two questions, two parts to it, I should say. And, uh, and of course, we can go, on li- go online and we have a, 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 a very easy to follow uh, visual guide uh, for how to fill out your ballot. But uh, Dustin, the, the Newsom campaign, backed by pretty much every top Democrat in the state, has been saying, vote no and let it go. Don't write anything for that second question that you don't don't put in a, a, um, uh, a replacement candidate. Why are they saying this? And is, is this contributing to the confusion? Yeah, I mean, they really are putting all their eggs in one basket um, with that strategy. And Democrats have for months been saying this. They don't want a repeat of 2003. They feel like in 2003, when Lieutenant Governor uh, Cruz Bustamante was also on the ballot, that that helped the effort to recall Gray Davis. Um, and th- they're afraid, you know, that voters get confused, that it's really it's much easier for a voter to understand just vote no on the first question and move on. But if they say vote no, then here's the backup person that that just gets really confusing and that if the recall's close, that could help put it over the top. Um, So really, it seems like their strategy is a matter of simplicity and just trying to communicate with voters who in general aren't very, you know, outside of the conservative 
base, voters aren't very engaged with this election and they want it to keep it simple, I think. And uh, Alexi, uh, you, uh, many people are outside of California are, and, and many inside, uh, as Dustin sort of alludes to, are wondering why this is continues to be, this race continues to be close when there's twice as many Democrats as Republicans in California. And of course, the top reason is enthusiasm. As you said, uh, Republicans much more into it than Democrats. Alexi, you recently went out door to door with some union members uh, in California. Tell us what you found. Uh, are they? Are they? Do people know that there's a recall? Yeah, I think people are aware that there's a recall. You know, it, it's sort of hard, almost, with the fact that there, this has been so dominant in the conversation for, you know months now, if not almost a year, um, to completely elude people. But there's still it's still sort of a vague awareness. They don't necessarily know when the election is happening or how they would vote or things like that. And so a big part of this um, canvassing effort that I shadowed um, on a recent Saturday morning was going knocking on the the doors of union households which are you know a, a key democratic constituency in every election and basically telling people hey your ballot's about to arrive if it hasn't already just tick no and send it back as soon as you get it you know really trying to make clear to people that this is happening now and you know you got to pay attention and it's very easy just get it done and get it out of the way. And uh, what was really interesting to me is that, you know, there was this real palpable sense of fear in the messaging. Um, you know, you've heard it from Newsom himself warning that, oh, the state could be handed over to, you know, a Trump Republican or, or whatever it may be. But also, you know, in the messaging that these independent efforts like this, this union canvassing, um, uh, operation have been sending out, you know, telling people, hey, if if Newsom loses, there's going to be a Republican in office. That means, you know, the minimum wage could go away. There could be fewer union jobs. We'll lose our benefits, things like that. You know, it's not about it's not about exciting people. It's about scaring them. Right, right. No, it is. Um, what are you guys going to be looking forward or looking uh, looking towards the other? Maybe not looking forward to over the next <laughs> <laughs> over the next several days uh, in the campaign. What uh, what are we going to be looking for? Uh, of course, we have our debate. We'll have our first look at Kevin Pafreth. Um, what else are we looking for? One thing I'm going to be watching is whether this race is getting any closer to being a fin uh, being financially competitive. Um, the next filing deadline for for finance reports um, is going is I think early next week, around September second. A lot of campaigns will start to file their reports, you know, a couple of days ahead of that. Um, and you know, if, if they have a lot of money, if they have a lot of money, <laughs> they'll they'll tell us about it very 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 loudly. <laughs> and th I think this will be interesting too because um, we. Have haven't really gotten a broad picture of where all the campaigns are at since the last deadline, which is the end of June. Um, and so, you know, in terms of the polling being close, we need to also see whether the candidates have enough money to start competing with Newsom on the airwaves in the last couple of weeks. Um, so interesting to get a picture of that. Alexi, what anything you're looking forward to? Well, I think that as we head into these final weeks, it will be interesting to see um, how Newsom himself is responding and use that as a gauge to sort of see you know what what his campaign thinks his chances are if we start to see him out there more and more really hitting the campaign trail 
you know, maybe they're worried. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, are there going to be any changes to the messaging? You know, we've certainly seen them double down in recent weeks on the fear tactics and also really embrace this idea of using his pandemic response as a motivating factor, sort of saying to Democrats, look, if Newsom's out, out of office and a Republican is elected, then we're going to, you know, we're going to turn into Florida. We're going to turn into Texas. There's going to be no protections. Um, and so, you know, will they continue down with that message? Is that been, is that going to be effective for them? Um, or, or are they going to have to change tactics again? Um, certainly the first, you know, half a million or so votes that we've seen come back in so far actually skewed quite toward Democrats. Um, mail voting always is, but if that keeps up, um, as millions and millions more votes get mailed back, then that could be a very good sign for Newsom that his strategy is working and he will survive this recall. All right. Gentlemen, thank you so much for... Uh, we, we've got a name for the segment, at least this segment. Through the recall, we have a name. Total Recall. I'll be back. Ha! You did not going to say that, did you? That's what you always say. Uh, and I expect next time we talk that you will have your own hacky Arnold impressions. Alexi, I know you're already working on I one. Promise, I, know you're, I promise I'll work you're on workshopping it. But, it. Hey, I, this is you're what I think you should uh, call in a favor to the former governor that you used to cover and see if maybe you can't <laughs> I, get him to I do have, a little cameo for, your, <laughs> for, the <theme> for the theme song. For the theme song. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Alexi and Dustin for being here today. Oh, and a hat tip to political man about town, Alex Clemens, for suggesting the Total Recall name. There's a prize in there. I guess it'll be a, me buying him a beer. Countless thanks to the King Webby Award winning producer, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And of course, we always want to throw some love to our fabulous theme music. That song you're listening to is Cattle Call. And it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, no matter how bad your Arnold impression is, it's all political. Ha 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 